Sisters, welcome back to My Sister Made Me View at the Roswell 1999 edition. I am your co-host, Emily, and I should be working on my book. Hi, I'm your other host, Megan. And I'm preventing World War III amid my cats right now. Ah, is Olivia still being a holy terror? Yes. Poor baby. So instead... Instead, we're making a podcast. We're making a podcast. Uh, Emily, I think I've been a bad, a bad person. Why? Why do you think that? Uh, because I am being personally punished by the universe to record extra Roswell. Oh no! I think it's oh, my fault terrible. that your file got corrupted, <laughs> and now we have to completely re-record this whole episode the whole episode yep it is true listeners uh megan sent me all her stuff exactly on time and i sat down to i sat down to edit the podcast and something happened to my file and it got corrupted and we could not retrieve it so we should we tell them about the next season <laughs> You guys, we've started season three, and it's bad. Like, universally agreed upon betwixt Emily and myself, season three so far is not good. So Megan's going to try to recreate the guesses she had at the end of No, 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 no. That would have been in our, because our between the seasons episode is still fine. That's right. So we're preserving, most of my guesses are preserved in there. Perfect. We're just going to talk about the season finale, which was pretty good, and was Emily's villain's origin story, because this, oh, Emily, friends. twist, what happened? Friends, okay, so if you've listened to our other podcast, you know that I love betrayal. I love it so much. <laughs> I told Megan to get a quiet snack, and it's not so much a quiet snack as it is keeping her quiet. <laughs> Um, so overview of this episode is the aliens have decided they are going to return home. They start the countdown on the granolith. They have 24 hours to say their goodbyes and get ready to go. And over the course of this episode, they discover who killed Alex. They discovered exactly how they did that. And they are betrayed, mightily betrayed. And this twist reveal did something to me it changed something in my brain chemistry and it came out of nowhere for me and it shocked me so much and i'm so excited to talk about it spoilers tess killed alex did you see that coming uh no my my guess had been it was one of the duplicates who was posing as someone who had killed alex Mm mm-hmm so, but while I didn't see it coming, it wasn't like an earth-shattering shock. I'm like, okay, yeah. Tesco's super dark side, and it turns out she's been manipulating and cruel all along, and she kidnaps, not kidnaps, because she's pregnant, but she ends up leaving and taking the baby with her and going alone to the new planet. The old planet. The planet. You guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Um, so yeah, because she has done such a good job 
pretending and fitting in and making everyone feel like she's part of the group. And so when it's revealed at the end that everything she does has been all for her own selfish personal gain, I think that's what shocked me so much is, okay, so this is how I feel like it should have happened with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. Where... And we won't give specifics just in case. Because we're definitely going to cover Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in our full MCU. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But at the end of season one, Hydra uh, emerges because it takes place. um, It takes place around the same time as the Winter Soldier. And you find out that one of the team members is Hydra. But the thing is, is that... How I feel is that they set it up so that they could just pick anybody at the end of the season to be Hydra and there wasn't any there wasn't any foreshadowing. And so it, it kind of worked with the person that, that, that they chose where they're just like they were so good at what they did. They blended in perfectly and their evil Hydra plans. Uh, you didn't even know they were happening. But, but here with Tess... Sorry, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., there are very specifically moments where the camera is looking at this person. So the audience is seeing this person when there's no one else in the scene with them and there's they are being observed by no one and interacting with no one and they are still acting concerned and sad and worried for a teammate in trouble which, when this person is revealed to be Hydra, they're like, oh, my teammates are garbage and I don't care about any of them. Yeah. Yeah. And so I feel it worked really well with Tess because we see multiple times throughout the season her manipulating people into into making them feel that she's part of the group and that they need to protect her and that they will do anything to make her feel happy and make her feel better. Okay. Dis- and um- I think... We're going to disagree on that, but finish your thought. Okay. Uh, Okay. Okay, we can disagree on it, but I want to talk about it when we get to the part where she calls the sheriff dad. Because I feel like she doesn't see him as a dad. I feel like that was a blatant manipulation. I think, yes, the betrayal hit Max hard. She had sex with him just to get pregnant with his baby to get everyone to come with them to the planet because it's revealed that Niseido made a deal 40 years ago that Tess would do this. Mm -hmm. And so Niseido raised Tess basically to fulfill this role. But I think the people who were betrayed the most were the sheriff and Kyle. Yeah. I think the Valentis got the worst end of this deal. I agree. And I don't know how far ahead in advance this twist was planned out. And so I wouldn't say that the examples we see of her relationships earlier in the season are deliberate examples of manipulation because mm-hmm. I think, you know, the the Christmas episode that she has with the Valentes, I think that was real. I think that was her actually trying to find a family. And I feel like not like they changed their minds at the end of the season, but mm-hmm. the future Max episode now makes no sense. Well, here's the thing. Oh, I'm sorry. You you tell me why you feel it makes no sense. Because Future Max is like, we didn't let Tess in the group, and we were mean to Tess, and that's why this all happened. And now we're nice to Tess, and it's still a nightmare. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, no matter what you do, can you change the future? 
Well, it's obviously not the same future. It's not. And I feel that's the tragedy of it all because Max came back to sacrifice everything, to sacrifice his love with Liz in order to better the future, and it didn't work. And I I think that works. And what I'm saying is there's absolutely no reason they had to break up. <laughs> they broke up for absolutely nothing. They fought and argued for absolutely nothing. If they had leaned harder into Tess mind whammying Max into mm-hmm. being in this relationship, because mm-hmm. when they first met, she 100% overwrote his mind and made him in love with her. Mm-hmm. And I feel that they should have leaned harder on that's what Tess did. Because now, as they're preparing to leave, uh, there's a scene where Max just tells Liz, oh, I still care about you and I've always felt this way about you. And they kiss before he leaves forever. And I think it would have been more literally compelling as a story uh, because Alex died because Tess exerted too much mind control over him. Because she Mm -hmm. compelled him too hard and he tried to break free of the compulsion and he died. And I think what could have been a much more interesting reveal for Tess is the villain is if Max breaks free of the compulsion to tell Liz that he loves her. And it Mm -hmm. almost kills him. And she's like, what's wrong? What's happening? And he's like, I don't know. And that's how they find out that Tess was behind it. Um, As it stands, Kyle remembers that that Tess mind controlled him. And so... MVP. Yeah, I, I feel like they're still trying to play that Tess and Max do have mutual feelings for each other. And Max Mm -hmm. feels very conflicted about that. Um, And I think they should have made her go full villain and uh, completely, like, overwrote his mind. However, I do get that that makes the consent in the sex scene non-existent and really dicey and bad. Um, And so I get why they didn't want to make a baby from a love potion relationship mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but the way it stands now i just it they, they could have punched harder with it and they and i wish they had mm-hmm. yeah that would have been interesting to see where um to play up because they kind of did that with uh isabel and valandra um am i still the same person i was you know on the planet do i have this in me to betray my friends and my family and that's kind of her her worry the whole the whole season is will I become Volandra again sort of a thing. So I feel like I feel like they really played that up with Volandra and Isabel, her trying to figure out if she's the same person. And I do wish they would have punched up that tragedy a little bit more of like Tess was raised in an environment where that was all she heard was who she used to be and who she should be now and I feel like Nisato didn't leave her any space to become her own person, like unlike how the other three aliens have been able to do that. And so I do wish they would have played that up a little bit more because I do have, now as an adult, as a kid, I was like, Tess should die. She's the most horrible person that's ever walked the face <laughs> of the planet. Still feel that a little bit, but like understanding that Nisato raised her to be a pawn piece, to just be a vessel. She's literally a vessel for the baby. Like, that's all she's good for. That's what it felt like to me anyway. 
I do have some sympathy the way that she was raised and what she felt was expected of her. Because, Meg, you had talked about actually at the beginning of season two slash end of season one that you were very excited to see Tess learn to be quote-unquote human. Tess learning to be a real person sort of a thing. And I do wish they would have punched that up because it would have been interesting had she started falling in love with somebody else but felt like she had to be with Max because that's been the plan for 40 years and her feeling so pigeonholed into this. Mm There was a, I feel like there's a lot that could have been explored, but I also see why they also couldn't maybe play with that storyline because you only get so many episodes in a season. I get that. That is no excuse. They had <laughs> 21 episodes this season with mm-hmm. which to actually build on a test storyline. I would be interested to to interview the writer's room at some point and ask when they knew Tess was going to be the betrayer. Like... I don't think they knew when they made the Vegas episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the way that the episodes got shuffled in airing order with the, the key to everything. <laughs> I don't think that finger tapping convincingly was the key to everything. And I don't think it was laid down enough over the other rest of the season. Like, okay, mm-hmm. okay. There's been a mystery building. Who killed Alex? And I do not think the writers knew who killed Alex in the episode where they killed him. Okay. I think they might have decided maybe two episodes after. And, like, when... I don't think they knew until after Liz decides not to go to Sweden. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I think that is they didn't lay enough groundwork for the mystery to be built to unravel they had to throw in a clue in an episode that was an entire flashback uh an episode before the finale so i would say overall i love that as a character tess is the villain but i think Mm -hmm. in the writing of the season and the buildup of the mystery to who killed alex this isn't convincing okay this is do you know what this feels like Daenerys was actually evil the whole time. Oh, got it, got it. Where people can say, oh, well, in this episode, Danny did something really violent. You know, in this episode, Tess blew up a lot of people with fire in her mind. But (laughs) that wasn't enough for the sudden villain heel turn. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think I disagree just because I've grown up knowing this. And so now, and like when we were rewatching it, I just knew Tess was the villain, so everything that she did had villainous overtones for me. And I wonder if it would have been different, you know, watching it, you know, with Locked fresh in. eyes, you know. And so, yeah, my view is going to be very different from your view, just because. And yeah, um, very much like the show where we have recorded the episode that comes after this before we're re-recording this one. Uh, Emily, in your junior high journal, you mention how much you hate Tess because she's come between Max and Liz. Mm-hmm, and I wonder mm-hmm. if the audience hatred for Tess for breaking up their main duo is one of the things that made uh, audiences more easily accept that she was the villain the whole time because she's Ooh. the, you know, getting in the way of their romantic dreams. Mm-hmm. 
Well, because, yeah, Max in, not in episode, but Max in season one, after he saves Liz and they find out that he's kind of always loved her or he's always at least been aware of her, even if she hasn't really been, like, she kind of knows who he is. Um, But once it's kind of established that, like, they do have a connection, it's not just two strangers meeting, I feel like their relationship is, is really great for this TV show. It's really... You know, teenagery, love you forever, you know, max M plus L equals heart, you know, sort of a thing. And season two was really hard for me to watch because it didn't have as much of the te- of the Liz and Max love story that I remembered it having. And so I've actually been waiting for that to start back up and kick back up because that's one of... Max and Liz, in my mind, growing up was like one of the best love stories I'd ever seen. And it's it's very different than the way I remember it. And I will say, this reminds me of growing up only catching occasional chunks of Buffy episodes. Growing up, I thought Spike and Buffy was the height of all romance. Um, I hadn't seen most of season one or two. So like I knew Angel was around and like Buffy had been with him before. I mm-hmm. thought Spike was Buffy's great love. And ah. so when I grew up and, and watched the whole show, and okay, I don't know if I've told you guys this about how I experienced Buffy, but I watched almost all of season four and five live. And then chunks of season six, um, not all of it, but like bits and pieces. Like I didn't catch the musical episode live. I didn't see the musical episode till much later. And I found a website online that had transcripts of every single Buffy episode. So I actually read the entirety of Buffy before I saw seasons one through three or seven. Mm -hmm. And that was how I experienced it. Anyway, um, I cried of season seven because, you know, but anyway, um, there's something about watching a pin pin that pin that because i'm going to tie it back to roswell real fast there's Mm -hmm. something about watching these episodes one after the other really talking about them and being able to go back and rewatch and dissect things that makes the storytelling and the emotion feel different than it does with week to week to week because in the previously on they can just say max and liz are totally in love and that's the mindset you're in going into it when the showing is different from what they're telling us. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say? I was going to say, I really was rooting for Riley and Buffy when I watched Buffy. They don't belong together. I get that. They would not work. That's fair. But I loved Riley so much. I thought <laughs> he was great. Uh, there is a double-edged crown character that's not Riley-inspired, but he's the first... Pirates of the Caribbean, Commodore Norrington inspired this character who is like lawful good and therefore not of interest to the heroine. And I'm like, that character is usually really hot. (laughs) But yeah, I also really liked Riley when I saw him in bits and pieces, but watching the whole thing back to back to back, I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. I agree with Jenny Owens Young on this one. Have you heard her Riley song from the Buffering podcast? Mm -hmm. No. 
Riley, you are kind of like cardboard. Your mansplaining's <laughs> best to be ignored. No one cares you're a TA. Just please, please go away. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone listen to Buffering the Vampire Slayer. They have now finished the entire show. I will have to, I'll, I'll pull that up. I'll put it on my list. So let's talk about the episode. Let's talk about the episode. <laughs> Previously on. Michael comes in for the previously on. Yes, he does. He, he jumps in. He crashes Maria's previously on because Maria's like, oh, Max and, and Tess are together. And Michael's like, no, no, no. This is what's really going down. And he's like, alien pregnancy, granolith. We've. Did you say Max or Michael? Please tell me I said Michael because I've been trying so hard. I will go back I've and look at it. Honestly, been trying. I don't know if you heard me <laughs> stop and think before I said Michael interrupted the previously on. Uh huh. I really hope he did. <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to throw doubt Sorry, on you. I was just right. like, ooh, I can't remember. Um, Alex translated the book before he died. We've got instructions on how to go home. And here's the season finale. And. As we were watching, the finger... Okay, no. First is the scene with the granolith. Let's talk about the scene with the granolith. I've just... Just know when we get to the, quote, key to the whole mystery, <laughs> I'm not going to be happy and I will make my displeasure known. But anyway, okay. we're in the granolith chamber. And Emily, the book has told us, once we activate it, how long do we have before the granolith takes off? We only have 24 hours before the granolith takes off like once you turn it on the countdown as it gears up starts and there's no way to stop it and there's no way to pause it you're you're going and tess is just lying on the ground looking very pathetic and sad and emily i have a question mm -hmm. is earth actually toxic to the baby or is she lying to get them home oh my Okay, I, I can't remember. I can't remember if that is brought up. Because you I honestly think she's lying. Okay. I honestly think that that's a lie. Because like you were saying, I mean, like genetically, they're half human, half alien, and they live on Earth just fine. And so however Punnett squares work, I mean, maybe it would be full alien. Maybe if it did, it couldn't live on Earth at all. Like it's it's possible... That their cloning process made human bodies, but with alien reproductive systems. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw the little gray men who protected their pods down in Roswell, New Mexico in Days of 47. Was mm -hmm. one of those Nisado? Is Nisado in I a fake body? I think so. There were, there were two of them. And one of them, I'm pretty sure, is the one running around healing people's bone cancer. Yeah, yeah. There was one that we never, we never found, or that was never found. I would like to bet three dollars that they do not come back for season three. <laughs> we never find out about them. I actually, I would like to rewatch the end of season one because the signal goes off at the end of season one with the like little talking pods, and we see mm -hmm. a bunch of people get the signal. Yeah, yeah. And then we've met the skins. And the dupes. And I'm like, I think you promised me way more aliens than you showed me. We did see <laughs> we did see representatives from several other planets 
during the the trips to New York, but yeah. Yeah, no. I agree. If you asked me on the street what my opinion was, it would definitely be Tess was lying. As someone who is a plotter and a planner and always comes up with my season finale whenever I write a season premiere, Mm -hmm. I have not a lot of patience for discovery writing in TV. Yeah. I think if you have 21 episodes, yes, some of the episodes in the middle are going to be throw spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks, but like... If you know that you're taking your audience on a set number of episodes on a journey, I think you should know what your episodes are going to be. And I don't know any of the writers who worked on this, but I'd be interested to know how their writer's room was set up and, like, at what points in the season did they break their story? Did they have, like, multiple story breakings along the way? Or, yeah, when did they decide what was going to happen next week? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because... I I obviously love overarching stories. I love it. I love it. But every so often, I do love throwing in a random character building episode. You know, I feel like the date, the blind date from season one is one of those where like, we just get to see the characters in all these like, increasingly weirder and weirder situations and see how they react and get to know them better. But overall, I I do want to be able to go back and see where the steps have been laid to lead us to a specific destination, um, whether that is red herrings to try and lead us astray, whether that is flat out, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't see that. It was right there all along. Because I just think that makes it more fun for the viewer and it just gives it a higher rewatch value. See, for me, season two has a high rewatch value because of what I knew about Tess. And so I just love sitting there and hating her the whole season long. <laughs> and I think she didn't have a chance. They were just trying to pit us against a... I'm just so in love with her Valenti family mm-hmm. storyline. Except for Kyle randomly deciding she was his sister so they would stop having a love quadrangle. I'm like, eh, I wish they would date. <laughs> Maybe now, no, and now Isabel and Kyle can't date because spoilers for season three, she's dating a 30-year-old for no reason. He's not quite 30. She's dating a 27-year-old for no reason. (laughs) He's not quite 27. dating a 26-year-old for no reason. Emily, they're what, you guys, I'm so sorry, spoilers for season three. They have a scene where they just talk about their ages and how it's really not that weird, Isabel. You're so mature. And I'm like, red flag, red flag, red flag. (laughs) (sighs) So speaking of Isabel, Mm -hmm. I think she gets the short end of the stick. Always. Way too many times. Always. She always gets the short end of the stick. Because everyone's sitting around the granolith. Well, all the aliens are sitting around the granolith. Like you said, Tess is lying on the floor looking sad and pathetic. And... Max is explaining, we have to go home. This is our one shot. Once we start it, we can't stop, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, is everyone ready? And Isabel's like, no, absolutely not. Like, I know we've talked about this before, but like Isabel has done everything right. (laughs) Isabel did all the volunteering. Isabel is a leader in the community. Isabel is a wonderful honor student. Isabel deserves all the success she has put the effort towards. But she, she, ha, she does not get to, re- to 
she does not get to reap any of those rewards because she has to do what Max says. And they play it up in this episode as we're going to stick together because we're twins, because we're siblings, because wherever you are, I am home. But in one of the in one of the scenes coming up, Isabel is sitting down to what is the last dinner she's ever going to have with her human parents. And they're just, you know, talking about their day or whatever. And she's realizing that she has to leave. And I don't... Ugh. Okay. I understand that sometimes you feel like you can't change what's going on just because things are in motion. But I honestly wish Isabel had also had the courage to not go. Mm-hmm. Even though I think the way Michael did it made it like the biggest, grandest, most romantic gesture. And I wouldn't change that. I love the way it happened that Michael was the one who was like, no, I'm staying behind. I almost wish Isabel had followed him. But the way they set it up, she couldn't because she and Max are a package deal. Um, even though they, they've really grown apart in this season because Max has been an incredible jerkwad. So you know how they only have 24 hours once they activate the granolith? Mm-hmm. Do they take time to think? Do they take time to plan before? No. Max just shoves the crystal right into the granolith and is like, okay, 24 hours, everybody meet back here. And I'm like, you guys needed more pl- time to plan. You needed more time to let go of your lives. But as always, it's about... Max's goals and what he thinks and what he plans and he doesn't take Michael and Isabel's thoughts into consideration at all. Yeah, because Michael brings up the very, uh, he brings up a really good point is that Leanna is still out there. Oh yeah, Max is trying to murder Leanna this whole episode. (laughs) And, and Michael is worried that if they leave and Leanna is still out there, what is to stop her from coming after Maria or Liz or the Valentes? You know, the people that they care about, the people that are, a, that are a big part of the aliens' lives. And Max is like, I'll take care of Leanna. And this is also where I would, I wish they would have played up. Max has been brainwashed because he runs into the situation to kill Leanna with no thought, with nothing. And I would love it if it was explained away that this was Tess just trying to tie up all these loose ends, but it's happening so fast that it is so sloppy that she's just like, well, it doesn't matter because we're not going to really be here to experience the consequences. Yeah. Yep. So. Blow up the Jeep. I'm sad. Yeah. And then Max has a real ugly car in season <laughs> No, it's a cool car, Megan. It's a cool car. No, it's, a cool it's not. Car. It's ugly. Anyway, let's go to the humans chilling outside the crash down when the key to the whole mystery is dropped <laughs> for the very It's right there. I don't know why time. you're so mad about this, Megan. I don't understand why you're so mad about this. Because no one was shown, no one who was mind whammied by Tess was shown drumming their fingers before this episode. I think that Alex did the episode where he dies on his when guitar. he's sitting on his guitar. And I think that wasn't on purpose, that he was just told <laughs> to act nervous. Uh-huh. And the directors are like, we need something. We need something to show that Tess has been behind this the whole time. And this, you guys, this is tinfoil hat all the way. I have no proof of this. <laughs> I feel they didn't decide that was the sign until they were writing this episode. Okay. 
Which is why they had to write really a focus episode. the camera on it. And that's why they couldn't <laughs> that's why they couldn't do a montage of all the times Maria's mom, Kyle, and Alex drummed their fingers, or even Max, if we are throwing Max into he's been mind whamming. I would have loved if we had gotten a montage of these mind whammied characters doing the finger drum thing subtly throughout the entire season. If this is something mm. that had been planned and planted, I would have loved that. And again, we know my tastes. I'm more bad wolf over crack in the Pandorica. I was just about to say, did we talk about that in the last time that we, I can't remember what episode it was, but I was opening my mouth to talk about bad wolf and the crack in the universe. We talked about it on one of our Way of Kings podcasts. Okay. Okay. Uh, so just quick background, uh, bad wolf and crack in the wall are Doctor Who references. Did you roll your eyes at me? I did, because I'm like, what? only nerds listen to this. But no, you should tell tell the story. And so we were talking that Megan loves the bad wolf uh, way of doing things, of foreshadowing. And I do, too. I, I, I'm not saying I like one over the other, but she did not like Crack in the Universe, whereas I did. Um, because I think, Megan, what you said is like, when we see the crack in the universe, the main characters aren't even looking at it. It's only specifically for the audience. And I liked that because it raised the sense of dread in the audience that we knew something that the main characters did not. So for you, it felt like Hitchcock's bomb under the table analogy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, it's because Bad Wolf uh, happens through season, all of season one. Mm-hmm. And it's in the background. It's mentioned as the name of a basically there's a lot of different contexts in which bad wolf is mentioned it's graffiti somewhere it. yeah mm-hmm. it's graffitied somewhere it's written in a different language somewhere it's it's on the background of news chatter it's not the point of any scene it's in it's like an easter egg you really have to hunt and find throughout the season and with the pandorica crack in the wall at the end of every episode once the episode is completely done we cut to a shot of the crack, usually on a big CGI set. Usually, like, there's no human actors in it. There's no one around it. It's just, here's a shot of the of the Pandorica crack. And I feel like Moffat was trying to do Hitchcock's bomb under the table. But it feels, because it can be so easily tacked on, because there's no storytelling context at all, if you went to the end of the season of... Doctor Who, sorry, this is both Doctor Who, if you went to the reveal of Bad Wolf, Mm -hmm. you could not go throughout the season and pull out every single scene that Bad Wolf shows up in without severely affecting the stories of all of the preceding episodes. Mm -hmm. But if you did season five and you pulled out all of the shots of the crack in the wall, Mm -hmm. it would not affect the storytelling in any way. And mm. so I like storytelling that the actors, the characters are interacting with that isn't only for the audience to know. Okay. And that makes that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Look at us. Sensible. Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, but they're, like we said, the humans are sitting around the table and Max and Michael show up and that is kind of Alex and uh, Sean's cue to leave. And Max asks to speak with Liz privately. And I feel like she doesn't want to, but she feels obligated to do it. I really hated the way this this was filmed. The Sherry Appleby that plays Liz, 
fantastic actress. I think she did an amazing job. I just hated that she felt like, because I think she might be a little bit of afraid of Max at this point because the he only has been mean to her this season. That's yeah. all he's done. Yeah, and the last two or three episodes, Max has been awful. Like, mm-hmm. yelling at her at the taxi and ripping her bag out of her hands. Like, her last interactions with Max have been horrible. And we're just supposed to forget that because Max is going through a hard time. I'm never going to forget. <laughs> <laughs> so they leave. And that leaves Michael and Maria. And he sits there and he's just not saying anything. And Maria immediately takes it upon herself to try and fill in the blank of, oh no, someone's dead. Which I think is the most relatable thing that anyone has ever done on this show. Of just like, they've lived through the loss of a friend. And of course, that's going to be the first thing on your mind when someone looks like they're coming to tell you bad news after that happens is, oh, it's happened again. You're just waiting for the bad thing to happen. I just, I, I don't know why, but this small moment of Maria doing that was like so huge for me. It was just so relatable. But Michael just tells her he wants to see her that night um, and arranges for them to meet up, you know, to have a date. <laughs> An eternal date. so max tells her that she was right she the the yep uh alex was killed by an alien and liz is like i didn't think it was you like i didn't blame you but max is like it's all right i'm just gonna kill liana give you justice uh that's it that's my plan i'm going to murder her and liz is Mm -hmm. like i'm coming with you yeah yeah Liz doesn't write in her alien diary anymore. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Yeah. Wonder if that'll show up in season three. Uh, she seems too edgy to write in her. <laughs> sorry, you guys. I'm sorry I keep talking so much about season three, but it's a bad episode. Anyway, uh, Colin Hanks comes back for a little bitty cameo. <laughs> because it's she's... Cameo. It's interesting because she can't... Okay. She can dream walk. Uh-huh. So we can see that she can, you know, walk in people's minds. And ghosts and are real. <laughs> ghosts are real. In uh, we saw that in the Christmas episode. We saw Max bring back Liz's grandma's spirit. Oh in... my gosh, that's right. That's His right. got run over by that reindeer. So I, I mean, it would have been too weird. It would have been too weird. But I wish they could have made contact with Alex from beyond the grave at one point to have him dramatically be like, it was Tess. (laughs) Like, okay, imagine they do try to summon Alex's... Okay, okay, imagine instead of Isabel just swatting around Roswell being sad because she never gets anything she wants, what Mm. if she's like, I'm going to solve Alex's murder my own way, and she tries to summon Alex, but there's literal like interference with his spirit because Tess's mind whammy messed up his actual soul so badly. That would be awesome. And she they try to do a seance and they just get a really messed up version instead. <gasps> That's so scary. Oh, I don't like it. <laughs> oh, okay. It's giving me very uh full metal alchemist vibes. You haven't seen that. You don't I've know. seen some of it. 
And then she got scared and gave up. But now she's 15 years older, much braver, (laughs) and we are eventually, you're going to do Full Metal Alchemist. Okay. I also need to tell you, we watched Hot Fuzz over the weekend. What? Without me? No, you were there, you (laughs) numpty. Sorry. (laughs) I was there. I really enjoyed it. But there was a scene where I knew a jump scare was coming that the killer is after, you know, our main character. And there's the big jump scare. It happens. It's fine. It's over. And so I'm just like, oh, I can relax. And then he turns around and there's just another regular character there. I almost passed out. So we know, had to that's what I stop with. the movie. While Dilly comforted Emily in her giggles of, of fright. Mm-hmm. My hysterical wheezing. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so I was having fond memories the other day of the summer all of us sisters took Pilates together. Mm-hmm. Were you, was that when you were still home? So it was all four of us or was just the three younger ones? I can't remember the exact time frame. I know what you're talking about, but... Yeah, so we all took Pilates together at our local rec center, and something came to light is that all of us giggle when we are in pain. Mm -hmm. So our teacher would be having us hold these difficult poses. And, you know, there were, like, older, serious women, like, really taking this class, and then you have these teenage girls in the back of the class just going... (laughs) (laughs) i've forgotten about that we we laugh when we're uncomfortable and i would say that pilates class was uncomfortable Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i have had to catch myself i am constantly trying to crack jokes and laugh when i'm in pain at aerial class and i i really try to stop because it's hard (laughs) (laughs) anyway that's my story thank you for listening it's a great story back to roswell yeah alex just an imaginary ghost of him shows up and Isabel's like, I miss you. Did you hear yep. that in my headphones? No. <laughs> I clicked back on the website I was on and it took me to high, high hopes by panic at the disco really loud. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I see, I obviously see why they put this scene in. One, it's the callback to uh, Colin Hanks' character, Alex. You know, we kind of get to see him and have a final goodbye. And it is Isabel. Like, I feel like she's really trying to not cut ties. I feel like she is trying to get closure in each scenario that she's in, sort of a thing. And I just, again, Isabel... I really didn't appreciate her when I watched as a teen because I'm like, oh, she's one of the mean girls. Oh, she's one of the, you know, she's just so hoity-toity and, and like, aloof and blah, blah, blah. But, like, she has a beating heart. Like, she feels (laughs) things so deeply and has so many plans. And people just come and tell her no all the time. And I hate it. I would love and... Listeners, if you have something like this, I'd be interested to read and or watch it. Um, but a story where someone really is ancillary to the chosen one. Because I've, I've heard of a couple stories where, like, the sidekick becomes the chosen one. Or, like, mm-hmm. the sibling of the chosen one has to take their place. But, like, uh, the Howl's Moving Castle book has this a bit where Sophie has siblings that go on adventures. 
but mm-hmm. really to like the point of view from Isabel where her brother is the chosen one and mm-hmm. she is the inherited villain I would love to like really get a story that delves deep into the the Isabel like characters of the world yeah um so this is the scene that I'm talking about uh because we have Tess lying on the couch Sheriff Valenti sitting there like sponging the sweat from her brow and telling her like you always have a home here if anything goes wrong just know like we will be here to support you like he has opened his home and he has opened his heart to this girl and she repaid him by murdering someone in his home and then making his son an accessory yes uh but it's all right because he wasn't a police officer at the time she did. <laughs> hi hi hopes but this is where she's like thanks dad and i think listen again i'm watching this with a very different viewpoint than a first time watcher would do it but i'm just like oh she's just twisting the knife in yeah i I'm going to wait for my final call on how I feel about this test storyline until we get into season three. I will say I don't have high hopes for a deep character. I think it's mm-hmm. surface level. I was always the villain. Oh, but Max, you really loved me in the past. Um, Emily, did <laughs> you know that season three of Roswell aired on a different network than seasons one and two? Yes, that's why and I that's couldn't, why couldn't watch, watch season it. three. Mm-hmm. And and obviously that is a fact I know from you telling me. I don't know why I was like, did you know? <laughs> but now I'm sitting here thinking maybe that's why the tone of the season three premiere was so different. Oh, I'm trying to remember what uh, what station it went to. Hold on. Let me Google that really fast. Maybe I should Google it. No, don't Google it. Uh Oh, okay. So it originally aired on the WB and it went to UPN for the third season, which coincidentally is where Roswell, sorry, which is coincidentally where Star Trek Voyager moved to. And we also didn't have that. So I also couldn't watch that show. Is UPN just like your enemy? (laughs) It is. I hate it so much. It took so many good things from me. I'm so morbidly curious about how the rest of season three (laughs) This is me building up hype listeners for you to listen to our season three premiere episode. There you go. Um, So hold on. Here, I'm going to Google one more thing. I want to, the distance from Roswell, New Mexico to, is it Santa Cruz? Where's, where's the, where's the Las Cruzes? Okay, I did not say that right, but Las Cruces, New Mexico, which is where the, okay, which is where, okay. So, so here's the thing. Max has 24 hours to do everything he needs to do to get everything done he needs to get done. To murder Leanna. (laughs) To murder Leanna. And the way that they have set this up is just like, oh, they just drove there. It is a over three hour one way trip. So, so he uses up a full quarter of his 24 hours? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's stupid. That's why you should have killed Leanna before you plugged the key in. <laughs> 
So they're crawling around. So sorry, Max and Liz are crawling around in the ventilation ducts until they find uh, Leanna's They cut up the dorm ventilation room. shaft. <laughs> and Max is explaining his convoluted plan into killing this girl so that it looks like an accident. He's going to shoot some energy through the pipes or whatever. This and was explode. so stupid. <laughs> this was so stupid. Max, just, you have alien powers. Just excite the water molecules in her brain. Whoa. It's, it's evil. It Whoa. wouldn't. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> More casual use of alien powers. <laughs> Anyway. Change the color of your nail polish. Change, change mustard into ketchup. Explode someone from the inside he out. He does this convoluted Rube Goldberg machine when he could just tag her and cause a heart attack. And then you'd be like, oh, the silver handprint. Everyone in the FBI who knows about that is dead. Yep, yep. Um, and so they're watching her sew a button back on her a shirt and liz is saying this doesn't feel right this doesn't feel right this doesn't feel right and max essentially goes you can wait in the car i don't think he exactly says that but that's kind of the attitude and so he's preparing to murder a person and liz is walking out and she realizes the girl had accidentally like stabbed herself with a needle and had grabbed a tissue to wipe blood off of her and she runs back to the girl's dorm and is like banging on the door saying, you got to get out. You got to get out. You got to get out, you know, in saving her life in the process. And later tells Max, if she had been an alien, she wouldn't have need to sew. She would not have needed to sew her button back on. She would have just done what Isabel does and use casual use of alien powers. But and Max, who's a moron who doesn't know how to use his powers, doesn't think of that. <laughs> nope. They're driving back and... Max pulls off the side of the road. It just... And this is the best place to tell your ex-girlfriend that you got somebody pregnant. Just apropos of absolutely nothing, out of thin air, let me change your life in three sentences. One Emily, sentence. He never had to tell Liz. He could have just left with everyone mm -hmm. and just not told her, just been like, hey, we're leaving we're never coming back. He did not have to tell her about the pregnancy. And I think it's stupid that he did. And yeah. that she kisses him like five hours later. I'm like. <laughs> I think I'm not. I'm not uh, defending him. I think the I feel the reason he did that is he's just like, I owe it to Liz to give her the truth. When he didn't want to hear the truth from Liz this whole season. Anyway, uh, I'm so frustrated with Max in this season because he's not like what I remember him being like. Well, you love Max to the Max Max. Mm -hmm. Future Max. Yeah. So I think, do you know what? I think after the, I think Future Max ruined Max for us. <laughs> <laughs> There's no one better than Future Max. I don't know why they couldn't have just been nicer to Tess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, but I mean, that completely rocks, obviously, Liz's entire world. But like, yeah, I think Max is just so overwhelmed. He does not know how to handle things. And so his shield or whatever is like 
his filter is down. It's non-existent at this point because he's just like, so much stuff happens to me that I'm not prepared for. So I'm going to make sure nobody's prepared for the stuff I'm telling them because they need to feel like I'm feeling because that's only fair. It's stupid. Yeah. So now that they realize, uh, well, you know, they go back to the high school. They go back to Roswell and they break into the school and they do, they're in the biology lab. And so, okay, oh, okay, Meg, where you were saying, like, he didn't have to tell her. He didn't. But he does here anyway because Liz doesn't know at this point that the aliens are leaving. Max has neglected to tell her that. And so she's saying, we have got to find who really killed Alex. Like, this is this is bringing up all of her, like, world's greatest detective skills out again. And, and she's like, you know, if, if it wasn't Leanna, then who was it? We've got to find it. And... Max is like, well, I don't have time. And this is where he explains Tess's baby can't live here. We're leaving and we're going home. He's like, I was just going to murder that girl and dip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this is where, this is where um, he's like, we're going back. And Liz does the pointing at the air in a callback to what, uh, what Max did in season one, which remember in season one, Megan, you said aliens make the best boyfriends. Hey, I was working off limited information. (laughs) He changed. He changed after Liz lied about sleeping with Kyle. Uh, wait, was it this episode or the previous episode where he found out she never slept with Kyle? Uh, hold on. I think it's this scene actually. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because cause I love Liz in this scene. We get to see the real Liz. She has been holding everything back. One, because Max doesn't trust her or believe her about anything anymore. Uh, you know, she has had a really tough season. It was... That is certainly true. Max went off with Tess. Her friend died. You know, everyone was telling her she was crazy, that he wasn't really murdered he just it was an accident and she always okay her characterization thus far has been good girl straight a student gonna be a molecular biologist at harvard sort of a thing and she's just kind of had to roll with the punches and go along with people who tell her what's going on tell her this is the plan all of this stuff she hasn't really been able to be very assertive and so in this scene, I think it's just every something has broken through because she is she she lays out what she has done for Max. She's like, I broke the law. I jumped off bridges for you. I got shot. I did all of yeah. these things. And you went off with Tess. She's like, didn't she's like, did you know I saved myself for you? He's like, what? It was a huge plot point in my life that you did not. Yep. Yep. And he's just like, no, you slept with Kyle. And like, she's, oh, Sherry Appleby is such a great actress because her face changes and she just realizes she said too much and she shuts it all back down. And she just says, take me home. Like, she is not going to discuss this at all. Um, Maria and Michael. Michael flew under my radar the first time I watched this show. Absolutely. Do you know what? Do you know what? what? Aliens do make the best boyfriends. (laughs) Michael is the best boyfriend in this show. He 
He really is. And I think it's because we've seen him grow and really make an effort. I don't feel like Max has made an effort at all. He's just been coasting on his laurels of being the king. Yeah. Very Elokar behavior, sir. <laughs> and Max has not been putting in... Okay, so he put in the romance effort. You know, he's the kind who brought flowers and bought gifts. But he hasn't been putting in the relationship effort of like, what do you actually need? And to be fair, this was his like first time through. And it was mm-hmm. Michael's first time through as well. But Michael has suffered through a lot of flack from Maria. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's taken him a while to figure out. But boy, has he figured it out. And boy, does he know to talk about what he's feeling and to ask for what he needs. Yeah. Again, Michael. Amazing. Buddy, you did it. You You have done it. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> He sits Maria down. He's made this beautiful dinner. He sits Maria down and starts talking about uh, how he sees her and how he's come to get to know her and how wonderful she is. And he's like, I know that it hurt your feelings when we didn't get the flashes like Liz and Max did. And she's like, no, 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 really, it's okay. And he's like, no, there's a reason. And the reason is I didn't let it happen I deliberately kept myself from you you know and he obviously we understand why there are things about himself that he was embarrassed and scared to show anybody and so what he does is he offers to let her really see him and this is the most phenomenal thing that has happened in the whole season Michael has grown from this I we should just murder everyone who causes us the slightest inconvenience he and Max literally changed worldviews. They, they did. Oh, I like that. But he and Maria start kissing and he allows her to see him. Like all of it from him running away, you know, scared in the desert from the pods as a little kid to being abused by Hank in the trailer to Maria. Like there's a there's a picture of her with like the sun shining through her like she's able to see how much she means to him he opens his heart to her emotionally and that's all she like maria talks a big game about like you're my boyfriend and you need to do all these things for me and and you know all these expectations that i don't say i expect you to read my mind to be able to do that like you know that's just who maria is but this is what maria has wanted And Michael is giving it to her because he wants to do it, not because he feels that this is what she wants. Like, it is what she wants, but he is the one offering it up to her of his own free will. And I just think it's the most meaningful thing anyone's ever done for anyone in the history of anything. (laughs) Good grief. You're going to make it. Don't let it come out your nose. I did it because I thought it would be funny. (laughs) That was too much, man. And Maria reciprocates by... Kissing him. Kissing him, which leads to other things. Touching leads to kissing. Kissing leads to sex. That's how that song goes, right? Is that all that leads to sex? Just kissing? (laughs) I don't know. 
couldn't see this, but I just sprayed a ton of whipped cream in my mouth. It was hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's not hilarious. This next scene. Sexually transmitted diseases. No. I mean, yes, Tess is pregnant. Pregnancy (laughs) is a sexually transmitted disease. (laughs) Oh, but, um. Kyle comes in just to see how Tess is doing in his room that he has given up for her so that she can have a room. And he has been sleeping on the couch this entire time. But he brings her flowers just to make her feel better. And they're talking about, you know, the future and how he wants to be there for her and things like that. And he, this part was kind of scary for me. Um, He happens to glance up in the mirror and sees Alex. Okay, but to be fair, sometimes it's scary for you when I inhale a little too sharply. Okay, does that mean that I have to make a list of like, this is level two scare. Yeah, This is actually, a level 27 scare. It goes all the way up to 27? It, it, that's not even the highest point. How high does it go? I don't know. Well, we'll start a chart. Uh, me inhaling too loudly is a three- yeah. Alex in the mirror is like a seven. And yeah. whatever happened to you during hot fuzz was like a 53. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Listeners, we had write to it pause. down. We had to pause the movie because I was hyperventilating. And I, it took me a minute to get back on track. Back in the game. Kyle suddenly remembers after he sees Alex in the mirror that... Alex was there the night he died. And he's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't remember this. And he immediately is beating himself up for this very important piece of information that he needs to go tell his dad immediately. And Tess bounds up, pregnant and all, sick as a dog. I think she's faking, but she then mind whammies Kyle into forgetting what he just remembered and this is the reveal problem is i can't remember what i've forgotten (laughs) (laughs) this is the reveal here that tess is behind this maybe not necessarily that she killed him but that something she's connected with him somehow which i guess it's safe to assume it would be i can't remember exactly how i reacted to this part i just remember when kyle remembers the whole thing how truly awful that was watching that for me as a teenager but uh we know now that tess mind whammies her friends completely so how to mind whammy friends and influence people (laughs) so i'm thinking about the times that we've seen tess use powers and she mostly uses mind powers yeah which is one of the reasons why i was so surprised her fireball was real Mm -hmm. um but like maybe it's one of those things like the guy that got locked in the freezer, but the freezer wasn't on, but he convinced himself it was, and he froze to death. Is that from Let's Go to Court? No. What it's is it from? Real life. What would you do with a... How would you take someone to court if you're dead? The fridge manufacturer. Okay. How would they? How would they know he convinced himself if he was dead? I don't know. No survivors. Where did the stories come from? (laughs) I am going to press X for doubt on that one. Okay. 
Um. Oh, this is. Oh no, it's on Snopes. Huh? Oh, was no. it real? Hold on, we're gonna find How out. How could they have known he convinced himself it was cold? I if he don't died? know. I don't know. <laughs> okay, here's what it is. Uh, origins. Basically, they are. Uh, the claim is that he psyched himself to death, where like he believed he was freezing to death, so he the died. Claim. Okay. Yeah. See, and There's... I think he actually froze to death, and then the murderer turned the fridge off and was like, this guy was crazy. I didn't do a single thing. <laughs> Prove it. Take me to court. Prove it. <laughs> so Liz and Max are sitting outside the Crashdown Cafe, and this is basically it. This is the last time that they will see each other ever again, and Max is feeling things about this and it's too little too late sir mm, what you say just not enough and he's like i always thought that when we graduated i'd give you my ring and so he, gives he doesn't her... have a ring <laughs> well no it's a graduation ring and oh. they're not graduating yet so they don't you... yeah he literally doesn't have a yeah. ring you know um, if he liked it then he should have put a ring on it should have put a ring on it um, he gives her the pendant that they, I think they found the pendant in Abernathy's house, Atherton's house, oh, back yes, in season one. Magical healing, self-healing mm-hmm. metal. Yeah. And he gives it to Liz to remember me by. And she's like, I hate that this is all I have of you. Oh, she has that pocket knife that we literally never saw him give to her. <laughs> but she yeah. gave it to him, so... <laughs> though i have to go fly away remember <laughs> me here's the thing max okay i'm so angry about this it's acted beautifully between these these two actors uh-huh. amazing wonderful emotions spectacular stupendous incredible but the way that the writers have set this up is like Max is basically mourning everything that could have been and how he wished it could have been different. You ruined it. <laughs> Your future self ruined it. Oh no, don't don't blame future Max. He was really trying. Um he was really stupid. Like again, if they were worried about paradoxes, he shouldn't have time traveled to deliberately change the future. He should have mm-hmm. given them actual helpful information instead of just, you guys have to break up. Because, again, um, it's the same stupid Max that we know a lot. <laughs> Where he's like, do you know what? It's me. I'm the only reason the future turned out like this. And do you mm-hmm. know what? I bet if future Liz had traveled back, we would have a whole different story. <laughs> With her great wig. Listeners. If there's fanfic, you legally have to tell me. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I'm gonna, I think I will really. Okay, so I'm really excited to get into Roswell fanfic. And I'm really excited to get into Way of King fanfic. By the time we finish uh, Rhythm of War, I will be able to read fanfic. I'm excited to write a fanfic with you. I think <laughs> we could co-write that Yasna takes Eshenai on as a ward story. And it could be really cool. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, so, like, they, they kiss goodbye, and he actually tells her that I didn't, yeah, during this whole scene, I don't remember if he said this specifically, he tells her, I never loved Tess as much as I love you. Yeah. Which is, like, why couldn't he have said that before he told her he got Tess pregnant? (laughs) Yeah. 
Because he also gets it out of her that she never slept with Kyle. Yeah. So. And I feel like he blames her here. Yeah. He totally blames her. He doesn't I... try and find out why she would do this or what the reasoning is. He's just like, you never slept with Kyle, did you? And she gives the tiniest shake of her head. And he's like, oh, this all could have been so different. Like, it's so heavily implied that this is all your fault, Liz. When really it's future Max's fault. And <laughs> I wish Liz told him. I want to see Liz tell him about future Max. Mm-hmm. Doesn't, didn't she tell Maria? Isn't that what she, she took her? Oh, no. She didn't tell Maria. I don't think about future Max, but she did tell Maria she did not sleep with Kyle. But I, I could know. be wrong. I, it could go either way. I I can't remember. Sorry, I'm supposed to be the expert and I'm not doing a good job. Well, but he drops, he drops her off. They kiss, and, and he I, sits in his car, and he cries because he's so sad. Do not feel I am bad for being him. such a brat about this, but, like, Listen, seriously. Listen, I don't feel bad for him. <laughs> Listen, writers, we're not just going to forget all the horrible things he did because he's having a hard time right now. It's very sad he's having a hard time, mm-hmm. but we're not going to forget. <laughs> no, we're not. That's, that's not true. I might very well forget. I have a terrible memory. Right. <laughs> uh, so here's, max here's the and... thing nope not max i was gonna talk about max and isabel recording their video for their parents oh well that's not the next scene why are you Fine. trying to skip ahead of the best one of the not the best parts but like a good part uh i'll be honest it's because the summer i have does not have maria and michael in it <laughs> for some reason so we go back to Michael and Maria, and they have had sex in his house, and they're, you know, lying there and kind of just... They've had their first time, and it went really well, and mm-hmm. they're both very happy. And he tells her in this scene that he's leaving, and she's like, how much time? He's, he's like, like in, the morning. in the morning. Yeah, tomorrow. And here's the thing. I think this is shot very, very beautifully, but I almost wish that he had told her they were leaving first. Like, I think this still works this way. I totally mm-hmm. think it still works this way because we're expecting we're expecting Maria to throw a fit, to be like, I can't believe you didn't tell me this. And I was expecting her to get up and like storm out. But instead, she's like, okay, we are going to take what time we have and spend it together. And she accepts it, which I think is a really great I agree. full come around. Yeah. I do not think he planned on having sex. Oh, I don't think he did. No, no, no. I so, don't think he. Oh, oh, you mean telling her before the flashes. I thought you meant telling her before they were intimate. I do. I Okay. I, I wish that she would have had the whole picture. Uh-huh. Um. But the way that she reacts, I think, makes it mean more that she didn't know. And then this is how she chose to react. But, like, it's such a soft, soft moment. And we don't get a lot of soft moments with Michael and Maria. They're usually comedic, fraught with, we've just broken up or we're just back together or whatever. But we just get this really nice moment between the two of them and I really like it. Now we can talk about Isabel and Max. Isabel and Max record a video for their parents. And the scene tries to be a fake out to tell us that they are telling their parents this live. 
but these two are cowards and they would not do that. However, they mm-hmm. are ma- wearing matching red, uh, blah, blah, matching black long sleeve shirts. <laughs> and is this when they take the tape and they give it to Sheriff Valenti or is that like a little bit later? No, they do. They take the tape and they give okay. it to Sheriff Valenti because and they end up. <laughs> what? They drive the jeep off the edge of a cliff and it explodes but then they've got a tape they're giving to their parents is Mm -hmm. it like supposed to be like a suicide message they could have just left the jeep behind and disappeared i don't know why blowing up the jeep was part of this plan it was symbolic (sighs) megan what does the color yellow mean in all of literature did you know that the color yellow can mean something different depending on which context it's being brought up in? For example, in the Kung Fu Panda movies, yellow is the power of heroism alongside gold. But in As I Lay Dying, it symbolizes illness, sickness, and even death. So, so Emily, the Jeep in the, this one. What does a Jeep symbolize? <laughs> their time in Roswell. Their... The, the connection to their humanity. Because For most the of them, it's the, their virginity. <laughs> <laughs> their virginity. As they're going over to the sheriff's house, Liz has gone over to Sean's house. Oh, yeah, because she freaks is, out after the stuff. Yeah, and they're kissing and kissing, and it's getting hot and heavy. And so I was assuming that she, you know, this was going to happen, and they were going to go all the way, kind of like tit for tat you slept with Tess I'm gonna sleep with somebody else sort of a thing which I think is the dumbest the dumbest plot point when that happens I just I I've never liked that as a plot point in literature or books it's fine that it happens but like I don't know like I think okay I think the reason I hate it is because of Ross Ross and Rachel Uh uh-huh I hate it where he's like oh I'm so mad about this I'm going to get revenge on you by sleeping with someone else and showing you that I'm over you. Like, I think it was meant to be like a, maybe a sympathetic thing. Like Ross is so hurt that he has to do this. No, he chose to do that. He chose to do it because it would have hurt Rachel. He knew it would hurt Rachel. Listen, this is also the hill I will die on. But, oh, do you have thoughts about that? Now, just that I agree with you that, listen, listeners, here's a caution. Never rush into something as soon as you've suffered a big loss. Mm-hmm. Whether that's a, a personal loss, a relationship loss, a financial loss. Think carefully before your next steps because you will certainly do something you will regret. And Rachel Green will not take you back. <laughs> nope (laughs) but uh sean and liz stop because he can tell she's really upset and she starts crying and just says max broke my heart and instead of you would think sean being the bad boy who has an earring and was went to juvie would be like oh great now i can get into liz's pants because she's so sad he just holds her just lets her be sad is really good actually i wish he and isabel had ended up together oh that would have been great but no she's with some lawyer that works for her dad for no reason spoilers spoilers for season three three. (laughs) 
So they're at the Valenti's house. They're getting ready to go. Tess kisses Max and gets a flash and realizes he has kissed Liz. And she's hurt. But also at this point, I think she believes she's won completely. And she's like, it doesn't matter. Like she says, you'll forget her where we're going. And she is very smug about this. Again, I wish Tess was more obviously controlling Max. Mm -hmm. Instead of Max being like, oh, I love both of these women. I don't know what to do. (laughs) So Liz is at Maria's house because she was there with Sean and she goes into Maria's room and they're both being very sad about because they've both lost people that they love. And they hear their mom, they hear Maria's mom start freaking out. Like her mom is having maybe a flashback or whatever. She is reliving the moment where they were in the UFO center in the previous episode in the flashback where she's remembering that Brody was pointing a gun at her and Maria. She's like, he has a gun at my daughter. And the girls are very concerned because the mom is remembering something she's not supposed to. And she leans, the mom leans on the counter. Amy DeLuca leans on the counter and starts tapping her fingers just like Kyle did. And I think here Liz is remembering, you know, maybe maybe Alex did that too. But so the they... last episode was not the key to the whole mystery. Because the finger tapping was the key to the whole mystery. But we wouldn't have known that had we not seen Maria's mom be kidnapped and have to have her brain memory wiped. No. No. Okay. Okay. Yes, we saw Maria's mom get her mind erased. Mm-hmm. But we didn't see the finger tapping in the last episode. And Maria says, watch closely because you'll see the key to everything. And the, the finger key tapping is that her mom the finger got tapping brain- didn't have No, <laughs> the finger tapping is supposed to be the key. And they didn't show us the key that it wasn't in the last episode. They showed us the forging of the key before they brought the key out. <laughs> One key to rule them all. Um, and Liz does remember seeing Alex do that and Kyle doing it. And so she goes back to Kyle to just kind of be like, you have forgotten something. You have got to remember what it is. Please, please, please. And he's like, no, I would remember if I'd forgotten something. I'm like, oh, Kyle, you sweet dum-dum. MVP, but the sweetest dum-dum. Anyway, he starts walking around and this, this I think was such a tragic scene because it is the moment, like the few minutes before Alex is killed and he is there at the Valenti's house and he is just distraught and he is crying about like, you've mind wiped me until there's nothing left. Like he, he is like a broken shell of a boy and it's so hard to see this kid that is like the goofball the smart genius the one that outsmarted the fbi the person who like relies on his brain you know to be who he is to realize nothing is there he's gone and then he's fighting tess and she tries to mind warp him again but i don't know if she causes an aneurysm or something i think she excited all the water molecules in his brain See, it's that easy, Max. It's that easy. Um, But he remembers Tess mind warping him. Kyle remembers Tess mind warping him into thinking Alex was a duffel bag. And she made Kyle load Alex into the car. Alex's body into the car. 
And that to me was unforgivable. Yeah. Unforgivable. Absolutely. Like I was, I do remember this part being so incredibly horrified by this. Like that to me is like the worst thing where you're just like, I, I, I was a part of this and I don't even remember it. And it's something that I never would have done willingly. Whoa. Don't like it. So on a scale from 7 to 53, how scary was this for you? It was pretty scary. It was like <laughs> 10. It's up there. It was It was an intense, more than scary. It was just very okay. intense. I think the feeling of horror comes after once you think about like the ramifications of everything. So Didn't think about the implications. <laughs> I didn't think about it. So the humans run to the space rock. But you can only get inside if you have alien powers. So the rock is sealed up and they are just like banging on it, trying to get anyone to hear them to open it. But the aliens are all there waiting for the granolis to leave. And who has the courage to stand up and say he doesn't want to do this? It's not Max. It's not Max. It's Michael. The door opens and Michael comes Wait, out. Wait, stop, stop, stop. Megan, you are you, skipping ahead of everything. This You is... literally just asked me who has the courage to leave. And I said, Michael, the door opens and Michael comes out. I'm sorry. Did you want to talk about the conversation before he makes the decision to leave? Hold on. You shouldn't have asked me a leading question. Remember? I object. Remember when we were doing our flag means death and it was the end of like episode eight, seven or yes, eight. It was eight. I remember. But and I kept being like, what do you my... want to talk about? And then I kept trying to go ahead and you're like, you're skipping the no, last part. No, no, no. In my defense, there was a huge, okay, there were five minutes left of the episode and you just said, and then they get captured by the British, the end. That's what <laughs> happened. <laughs> And oh, spoilers for our Black Meets <laughs> And just now, rewind the tape. You asked me who had the courage to leave. And I said, I Michael. I just wanted the and name. I, I didn't want anything leaving. else. I just oh, wanted the name. You don't want name. anything from me. Fine. <laughs> That's not what I meant. Take it away. <sighs> okay. You talk about it. I will. I'm going to wax eloquent about this. Buckle up, everybody. So, Michael is the one who steps forward. And reveals that he's not going to be going with them. And I would have kind of expected Max to be like, you have to because I say so. But Michael explains that this whole time, he, because, okay, everyone, Michael has been the one this whole time trying to find his heritage, trying to find a way mm -hmm. home, mm -hmm. doing all the research, mapping out the constellations, looking for Nisado, being betrayed by Nisado, like... This is Michael's dream. And the fact that he has found a bigger, better dream in the form of true love, I it's absolutely beautiful. And I love it very much. And I get choked up and tenderhearted about this. And I wish, oh, I wish Isabel, I wish Isabel would have gone with him. I really, really do. Um, because she's like, you can tell like she is, she's hurt that he's leaving. Like, like, she doesn't want him to leave. But Michael's just like, you know, I've wanted home for so long, but it's here. It's it's Earth. I think a really great twist at the end of the season mm -hmm. would be Tess 
really convincing Max to go. Mm-hmm. And then the duplicate Michael and Tess going with her. Oh. We've got three duplicates running around on Earth still. <laughs> so he says goodbye to them. And he opens, he goes out and opens the rock. And they immediately just scream at him, the humans. Tess killed Alex. And he's like, okay, let's go back inside. Like, he's not, he's not even going to be like, no, explain what you mean. He knows that there's no... There's no time to waste. And so they go back in and reveal what has happened. And Max, like, it's almost like, I mean, they're explaining what happened. And I love that Kyle stands up and he is like the, he is the witness to all of this. He's just like, I was there. I remember this. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's revealed that there was a deal with Nisato and things like that. And Tess is the only one who ends up going because no one's going to go with her now that it's revealed she's a murderer. Yeah. But yeah, she takes the baby and and Max. Yeah. Yep. (sighs) She, she and Max have a little bit of time to talk and she calls Liz a stupid bitch. Yeah. Our true colors finally show. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So, Emily, who did Nisado make the deal with? Lair. No, hold on. Kivar. 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 Lime Kivar pie. <laughs> uh, who's, who is Kivar? Was that Isabel's old evil boyfriend? Mm-hmm. That's the one that's on the throne right now, currently. Okay. And... Again, this is where I do have some sympathy for Tess because I feel like she was brainwashed her whole life into this is your role. This is all you're good for. Okay, and not to get too much into gender theory and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. but remember when Nisato told Isabel that female aliens can't shapeshift? Yeah. Uh, and, and we saw the dupes doing it. Lonnie proved him wrong. Yeah. I mean, I kind of hate that the aliens have the same sort of biases that humans do yeah but at the same time i also feel like it really strengthens tess's stance and reason for everything of just like if you're told your whole life this is who you have to be and this is why you have to do it and you have no way to push back against that i totally understand why she did this like it's not like a how could you it's a this was what i was raised to do this is my duty as queen to the world is I'm going to bring back the royal four and fix this mess. I don't like how she did it, but she had good motivation. Listen, I am not a supporter of murder. I am a supporter of women. Yes. <laughs> Just kidding. I think the test character is now going to turn into a one-dimensional villain and if we see her again in the finale, it's going to be like, sorry, in the finale, in the final season, it's going to be like, oh, I'm evil now. Look at my extreme eyeliner and black leather clothing. <laughs> yeah. But the end, I thought the end was kind of dumb. I agree. Because they're all looking up at the rocket that has left. And Max is like, now very we have to obviously, think. by the way, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but like, 
there's no way that no kind of Earth observation anything missed this rocket going off mm-hmm. into space. The granolith's uh, launch was hugely obvious. Lots of giant smoke trail, a huge streak of light. I hope the alien enthusiasts all re-flood Roswell. <laughs> we can get Marshall back. Yeah! I think Michael and Maria's reunion is perfect. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Um, Max is just like, oh, Liz, now I get to love you. Now that my problem is gone, I get to love you and be with you. And I'm just like, oh, that's he not the consolation yeah. you think it is, Max. He didn't have to make a choice. Nope. He a choice was made for him. And she's like, but your son. And he's like, we'll get my son back. And then I can have everything I want because I'm the protagonist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that is the end of Roswell season two. Bum, bum, bum. Which Megan is now making a face. Because a Emily face. hasn't seen season three. And what I've seen no. of season three is bad. And I will, I will grant you guys that, you know, they generally do pull it off when it comes to the finale. Um, but, yeah. Tune it. Mm-hmm. Ugh. What was the finale to season one? Uh, Nacedo. Oh, um, Nacedo showing up. And the FBI. Pierce. And Pierce. Kyle dying. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle got (laughs) shot and came back. Wow. Season two. What a journey. What a journey. And we have already recorded the interlude Mm -hmm. episode. And we're going to actually record episode three after the uh, season Mm -hmm. three episode one after this yep so anyways megan thank you for letting me make you view this i really appreciate it whatever (laughs) (laughs) i love you and this is fun but i mean you kind of ruined it because i was gonna say i'm gonna get back to my book but we're gonna get back to recording more episodes (laughs) if you pay me a dollar would you pay me five dollars if i squirted whipped cream up my nose no, I don't okay. want you to do that. Uh, listeners, have we ever started Patreon? <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Well, we'll see you guys on the flippity flop. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>